Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey there. Well, you've probably figured out that my publishing schedule is a little off these days. Hashtag coronavirus. So today's episode is a really special episode. It's a slice of life. It's what's really going on with some of your favorite people, favorite businesses and establishments. Today is a little bit of storytelling mixed with the reality of everybody's least favorite word, the uncertainty. You'll be hearing from two different entrepreneurs in two very different industries, but both of these industries have been hit hard by the coronavirus. Both have been incredibly successful in their own right. What do you do if your business was perfectly positioned for success? How do you predict what's coming next, how you should pivot, or even if you should? Do you ride it out? Do you look for other opportunities? And what about your employees, your team, the people you consider family? Geraldine Chung, or G as she's known by her friends, is the founder of LCD. Though G's background is in tech, specifically digital marketing that she had done for record labels eight years ago, her passions led her to start an online fashion boutique called LCD. Turns out it's really, really hard to jump into a brand new vertical that you have no background in. Mm. And if you want to seriously grow a business without, you know, a ton of investors and like high powered business advisors, if you're just kind of going it alone. It's, it's really hard. I did that all by myself for four years, I think, before I hired someone. I did everything, everything out of my house. And it was really small. And it was really, really hard. And it's just one of those things that I think everyone who has a small business struggles with, which is growing and spending money and not sure if you're going to be able to cover that extra person and just like all those growing pains. Online is so challenging in so many ways. It takes so much work to like be able to compete with the big guys who have like a professional photo studio and legions of SEO and PPC marketers. And they're like, giving thousands of dollars to influencers or millions of dollars. It's really hard to compete. Struggling to make her mark online, she eventually decided to open up two physical locations, one on Abbott Kinney in Venice Beach, California, and the second one at The Row in downtown LA. So we realized very quickly that our in-store customers and sales were going to vastly transform the business. And our store was not in a good location, but Just from the very start, it was easily 5x, Mm. maybe even more, maybe like eight times our monthly revenue of online. You know, you create a really good vibe in your store. People come in, they like you, they start talking to your staff, they buy stuff. End of 2019, beginning of January 2020, things were really starting to click. After years of blood, sweat, and tears, LCD was really hitting their stride. Finally being a profitable business was a very exciting moment. 
And that realization came in January, which was very fun. And just like having developed like really good relationships with all these staff and clients that we have now, it's just like it felt really good and we felt very positive going into 2020. <laughs> like this was our year. <laughs> G was flying high. In March, she flew to Paris, investing hundreds of thousands of dollars curating the coolest collections of primarily young and upcoming female designers to delight the independent, uber-cool, understated fashionistas that are LCD's most loyal clients. I got back from Paris Fashion Week, I think it was March 3rd, and my staff immediately informed me that I was not welcome to go to work, (laughs) that they wanted me to self-quarantine at home then things started changing so quickly. Like every single day would be a new situation where, you know, one day we would be like, okay, I think this is going to be okay. We're just going to reduce our hours. Okay, the next day, you know what? People are really panicking. We're going to make sure we disinfect everything, offer everyone Purell, disinfectant wipes. Oh no, we can't buy disinfectant wipes today. Everything is sold out. People are doing toilet paper runs. Maybe our staff doesn't feel comfortable coming in. Then the next day, they're not coming in. They refuse to come in. They're feeling really nervous. Okay, it's stores by appointment only. The next day, Eric Garcetti shuts down everything. Business owners around the globe have struggled to figure out day by day how to be on the defensive when there's no way to predict what's coming next. Every single day, you're just in a heightened sense of like panic and adrenaline and like, how do we fix this? How do we save the business? How do we pivot? How do we like make sure everyone's taken care of and everyone's okay? And like, oh my God, I owe $400,000 of invoices to people. How am I going to pay it? So basically, ever since that day when Eric Garcetti declared the safer at home, I've just been operating in like adrenaline panic mode. The day after the White House announced the payroll protection plan, my husband, Brett, spent a full eight hours on the phone between banks, accountants, and government hotlines, just trying to get answers. I've just like spent hours and hours scouring the internet, reading all the legal articles. I read the Mm -hmm. actual law. Do I qualify? And I was like on top of it, like applying for everything I could, applying for grants, applying for loans. It was like a full-time job at the same time, like moving all of our inventory into my house so I could continue to pack and ship. With both of her retail locations shut down and business grinding to a complete halt, hundreds of thousands of dollars in inventory, rent and expenses piling up, G was forced to have crushingly difficult conversations with the people she loves, her staff, her team, her friends, the people who feel like family. I'm really sorry. I can't give you any hours and I can't do anything for you. Retail is such a cash flow heavy business. There was just no money. Even during the normal course of business, we would have days where we had $300 in the bank account. It was just incredibly stressful for the first three weeks, I would say. I was maybe sleeping four or five hours a night while everyone else was doing yoga and baking bread. I don't know what y'all are doing, but like, I am freaking the fuck out. When your business is under attack, you've got two choices, fight or flight. And G definitely chose fight. Sleeping just a few hours each night, she attacked the opportunity to receive that grant 
and payroll protection money like it was her last chance. And while at the time of this recording, less than 6% of business owners received money from the PPP, G didn't get her hopes up. I was making with Citibank and they basically were like, we don't have anything for you. We don't have anything for you. And then the applications launched April 3rd, that Friday. And they were like, we don't have anything. Everyone else was applying. I knew the money was going to run out. I was freaking out. I was actually earlier that week, I'd shown up with all of my documents to three different banks ready to go. And everyone said, we can't take you. You're not an existing client. So Citibank couldn't help me because they were like, we still don't have all the information. They don't normally process SBA loans. So I think it was a bit steeper of a learning curve for them anyway. But I was really, really lucky that one of the digital marketing agencies I was talking to mentioned that they had been able to get their PPP application submitted through this company called Divi. And Mm Divi is actually just like a credit card employee, like cost management app got my application in. So I am very, 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 very fortunate, I think, to be one of the lucky few who've gotten both the economic injury disaster loan and the PPP. So now G has government funding that's supposed to cover about eight weeks, which is where we sit today. We're about eight weeks since the stores closed down. And to be honest, it doesn't look like we're going to be opening anytime soon. And I guess that's a relative term. It's also possible here in Southern California that we could see businesses begin to slowly roll open in phases. Even if businesses are allowed to reopen, what does that mean in terms of their behaviors? Are people going to be shopping? Will people be going out to restaurants? Will people be buying concert tickets? Will they be shopping for clothes online? Will they have the extra money to do those things? What will the economy look like? I think the economy is going to be so hurt, but I also feel like that people are going to be really itching to go out and not necessarily shop, but I think that, you know, we've all been cooped up for so long that once things start to open up, people are going to be really excited and they're going to want to go out and walk around and look at things and talk to people. So I think that physical retail is going to be a really important place for that. I don't know that the stores are going to make as much money as they would have at least initially, because people will be getting over the shock. A lot of people are going to be losing their jobs. You know the industry is going to come back. You know that eventually people are going to go to restaurants again. People are going to buy cool clothes again. But will it be different? And will it be enough? Will it be enough to be able to keep those physical locations open? If not, how do you pivot? Or do you pivot? Do you double down on your retail space or do you invest the money that you need to make your mark in the online space? For those in the retail space, the obvious pivot is to go online. But let's talk about that very obvious pivot. Imagine you're standing at the grocery store and the line that you're standing in just shut down. You've had that happen before where the grocery clerk suddenly hangs up a little sign that says, sorry, this line is closed. So now you're forced to look around and decide what other line that's still open you should jump into. And you're looking at the lines forming behind eight different cashiers. Now, if everyone realizes it's quickest, if instead of using a cashier, you do self-check, and everybody at the same time rushes for that same line, 
Those who get there first will have the obvious advantage. But what about everybody else? And that's exactly what's happened in quite a few industries, including retail and fitness, just to name a few. It's just one day at a time. What can you do today? Are the stores going to open? We don't know because we can't control when the governor is going to let us open up businesses. We don't know when Trump is going to order us all to drink bleach. (laughs) I mean, there's, you know, so many things that are out of our control. And I think all you can do is really focus on today. The G is a type of bold female entrepreneur who's not willing to wait around. She's not willing to stand at the back and see which line is moving quickest. For many of us, the pandemic has been a wake-up call to pay attention to that one area of our business that every entrepreneur knows it needs attention, but we just continually put it off. G doesn't know what the future of her retail locations holds, but she clearly sees the shutdown as the catalyst for developing LCD's e-commerce revenue. I've always said that our web commerce could be so much stronger and it didn't make sense that it was like by far the smallest portion of my business. And so being able to spend all this time really building it and developing it has been a blessing for me. Well, gee, we are rooting for you. As the dedicated podcaster that I am, I felt like I needed to do some, you know, further research, which meant I had to shop at your online store. I went to shoplcd.co, and let me just tell you this, I think you guys are freaking killing it. You quickly adapted. I could just tell by the way you've curated your collections online and the number of like work from home items, super comfy sweats, etc. Again, merely for the purpose of research, I had to make a few purchases to see a little bit about your checkout process, which that too was seamless, flawless. I got a code sent to my phone immediately that said, hey, do you want to just check out with your Google information? It was done in less than two seconds. I'm excited to get my new sweats. And you came highly recommended. My daughter, Sierra, who is the ultimate barometer for what's hot and what's not loves everything LCD. So anyways, gee, we are rooting for you. And I think things are going to work out as they're supposed to. You know, maybe this just was all meant to happen. And just from my own personal experience using your e-commerce site, I thought it was amazing. Listeners, I encourage you to support. Go to shoplcd.co and check it out for yourself. You can also connect with LCD online. Their tags and handles are below in our show notes. I've been polling my Instagram audience to figure out like Even if the governors in their states open up the gates and allow you to return to business as usual, what are people's feelings around returning to certain activities? When will you feel comfortable going to the mall or shopping at your favorite boutique? What would it take for you to feel safe, enjoying date night at your favorite restaurant? When will you go back to the movies, to church, to concerts, to sporting events? Generally, I'm just curious. For many entrepreneurs, it goes well beyond a curiosity. Being able to predict people's future behaviors after the pandemic can mean the difference between surviving and closing your doors. Brian Posey of The Ticket Machine is just such that individual. Brian turned his near-genius knowledge and unparalleled passion for sports into a dream business. President and CEO of Michigan-based The Ticket Machine, Brian has built a multi-million dollar business on the art of predicting what's going to be hot and what's not. So 
we are part of the secondary ticket market. Our company buys and sells concert and sporting event tickets throughout the country. All of ours is North American. So we may buy baseball in Los Angeles, for example, or we may buy basketball in New York or concerts anywhere. We buy with the anticipation of the tickets or commodity is worth more than what we paid. We are picky and choosy about what we buy. We may buy 10 seats for a season for a, a certain college team or a pro team. We may buy two or 300, just depending on you know how good they are, what type of schedule they have, and the anticipation of their season coming up. And it's not just how hot a team or a concert venue might be or how popular that particular ticket is. He also has to factor regional economic trends. So what may be great in Los Angeles with all the people and all the money may be different in cities like Cleveland or Detroit. You know, Kid Rock is popular everywhere, but in Detroit is absolutely huge and he'll do all kinds of shows. And so we may buy a whole lot more for a certain individual or team if we know they're going to do better in certain areas at certain times. You need to look toward the future. You need to plan. We still make mistakes all the time, but, you know, you got to take the chance. But in large part, Brian's business has been successful because of his ability to predict the unknown. Understanding teams, understanding seasons, understanding weather, knowing what's going to be hot, predicting concert demand, the popularity of certain players, how well a team is going to do in a particular area, countless unknown factors. You really don't know. You know, injuries could play a huge factor where, you know, you lose a couple guys and their team goes in the tank. You're going to lose money the whole year because fans just aren't going to turn out the way they would if they're leading their division or look like they're going to make the playoffs. So what happens to Brian's company when everything gets canceled? The sporting teams right now, whether it's baseball or the NHL and NBA right now, are, what they're doing is they're kind of calling it postponed and keeping the consumer's money by not calling it canceled. Now, Major League Baseball today did come out with a couple of uh, announcements or press releases where the teams now have the ability for the games in last month, April, and all of May, you can either get refunded or use your money towards games this year or next year, which is kind of a interest-free loan for them. It's good for them. There are a couple of major league teams that we have agreements with that have been holding low seven figures of tickets of ours, holding that money and not giving it back to us. And you go from selling, you know, let's say $30,000 a day to literally nothing with those teams holding that money the last two months and us having no revenue coming in, it really puts, puts us in a bad spot. With no revenue coming in, no events to buy tickets for, and no real guarantee that they'll get their money back for those canceled events, how does he pay for his staff, most of whom have been with him for more than 10 years? They're more than staff. They're more than employees. For Brian, they're family. It's been a long couple of months. It's been hard. But I'm worried about my employees. You know, as of now, we're taking care of all of them. I need to be strong for my employees. That's another reason I don't, I don't want to stress, especially, you know, in front of them. And if I go the rest of my time and break even and I provide for them 
I'm kind of okay with that. Would I prefer to make money too? Absolutely, but I feel responsible for them. I need to be able to take care of them. This is a tough one. So many experts are suggesting that the smart entrepreneur, if they've been hit, that they need to look around and ask themselves how to pivot. But what does that mean if you're Brian? I mean, it's not like one of those things where, hey, let's have meetings and do I do more marketing, less marketing? Those are out the door. There's no choices to be made. This is a different mm -hmm. animal altogether. So what can I worry about? I mean, I can worry, but what good is it going to do? There's no decisions right now that I can make to positively or negatively affect. Certainly, I need to be looking towards the future and, you know, maybe taking advantage of some situations. Are there going to be businesses that go out? of business, yes, you know, nobody knows. It's a business that's already online. It's an industry that will come back. We will go to concerts again. We'll go to sporting events. We just will, but when? That's the first question. The second question is when we do return to sporting events, what does it look like? If we're sitting six feet apart, does that mean it's automatically one sixth the amount of profits? And if so, how does a company like Brian's Predict that. How do they stay profitable? And do they weather the storm? Do they wait it out? Or do they pivot now? I mean, I think about it, of course, and, you know, do you lose some sleep? Possibly. But over the last month, I think some states have loosened up. And let's say 15% of businesses are now open. Pretty soon it's going to be 25, 50, 75 in the coming months. I think with my industry, Shaleen, it's going to be the last 5% of businesses that are able to operate. Hmm. How do you see, how can anyone see right now, 75,000 people together sitting right next to each other? I can't even fathom that right now. I, I don't see it. Could it be a year? I mean, that's hopefully worst case scenario, in which case, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> I'll get through this. My families are healthy, my friends are healthy, and my employees are healthy. So that's, that's a lot better than some people. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Brian knows there are other business opportunities where he could be successful. As they say, it's making your first million that's the hardest. But once you've done it, you know how to do it. And most importantly, you have belief in yourself. For entrepreneurs in certain industries, this is the toughest waiting game of all. For some, there just isn't a cut and dried answer. No one knows. You have to rely on faith, intuition, gut instinct, and belief in yourself. And to make the most of it, you've got to make plans for how to do things better, leaner, smarter. When you're successful for a while, you may get a little loose with what you buy. So maybe that's happened. Well, yes, it's happened. I could be better that way. I've learned that when things, there's emergencies, people want to hang on to their money. Uh, whether it's sports teams that we talked about, people just don't want to pay you what they do owe you. You know, I need to be a little more careful with that. So there are ways to be more lean. And then there's the dreaded blockbuster scenario. In many ways, the shutdown has resulted in a collective awakening. Maybe all of us were a little too relaxed. And if so, this pandemic has been like smelling salts underneath your nose, making us all acutely aware of our shortcomings, missed opportunities, and the significance or threat of trends, which until this point, we've been able to slough it off, kind of ignore it, like I've got enough runway. Yeah, things might change, but I don't need to worry about it because I'm doing well. But now we're all looking at our businesses, 
or at least we should, with open eyes. We don't know necessarily what people are going to do when they do come back. People were already kind of going towards the trend of watching games on TV at home anyway a little bit. Huge TVs and less hassles going to the games and stuff. It's an industry that it's a hard sell unless you have great product, which we try to do. So we're going to need to make some decisions to be more careful. But I'm hoping that, you know, we're one of the successful brokers that come back in a positive and hopefully better, better for it in the end. Well, Brian, I can vouch firsthand for the incredible personal care and very much family feel that you get when you're working with the ticket machine. And maybe going to a large sporting event or concert isn't on your agenda in the next couple of weeks, but I know it will be in the future. So do yourself a favor and save that website. Write down that name. Save it in your phone. The Ticket Machine. Brian, we're rooting for you. And to every entrepreneur who struggles to know the right answer, just remember, your intuition is better than anything else. Keep moving. Keep looking. Solve those problems. That's what entrepreneurs do. There are many challenges and the entrepreneurs, the businesses that are really going to come out of this, not just survive it, but to truly thrive are the ones who are going to maybe continue what they're doing, but do so in a way that's taking care of challenges that have presented themselves. Concerns that your clients and customers might not have had before. Be creative. I know you can do it. Listen, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I love talking to both of these individuals and kind of sharing with you guys a little different perspective. And just to be real, to be honest and say there are certain situations where there isn't always a clear and obvious path. Some people need to stay in neutral. That doesn't mean they need to pivot. Doesn't mean they need to turn away from their business. It means they need to keep their eyes open. Listen, it is my goal to be brief, to be bright, to make it fun and then be done. Ladies and gentlemen, we are done. But please do me a favor. Check below in our show notes, reach out to Brian, reach out to G, give them their support. And if you feel like it, I'd love it if you took a screenshot of this episode and shared it in your social media. Tell me what you thought of it. Tag me, tag G, tag Brian. Let your friends know if you enjoyed this episode. All right. I love you. Talk to you soon. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.